non-sanctioned. Weapons allowed. No rules. It's lights out. What's up, everybody? You have entered the Lights Out podcast. That's right. Me, the Viking Beard, J.K. Klein, we're going at it. And we're bringing uncensored, barbed wire, chainsaws, a gun, some skeleton demons, um, some uh, Disney effects that was in a Disney Plus TV show. Uh, we're bringing it all to the Lights Out match, brother. We're bringing it to the Lights Out podcast because we are talking all about Army of Darkness. Yes, everybody, this is Lights Out. This is the companion piece, in a way, to the retro blood. But this is when we go uncensored. This is when we get out of the Trans Am, we jump into the DeLorean, and we go on to different decades. This decade is going to be the 90s, because we're in 1993, brother. Kind of like the one we did a month ago, Leprechaun. It just so happened to be around the same year and the <laughs> month apart from each other. But we usually travel from different months. What's up, Allison? I challenge you to the lights out match. How you feeling about this match? How you feeling about it? Man, I'm feeling great about it. I mean, you you uh, you you talk some shit and you challenge me to it, and here we are doing yet another unsanctioned lights out episode. That's right. No, you know the, you didn't get enough the first time. You know the lights out. You know, usually on the retro blood, I have one beer. Now I have two, so you know that's gonna get good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know you're gonna get two. I'm just drinking my tea here, so my. My throat, you know, I've been a little bit uh, allergy infected this week, so yep. uh, I'm, I got to make sure my voice will last through uh, the whole the whole show here. But uh, the uh, yeah, so we have no rules. We can talk about anything we want. Um, yeah, we can talk about any kind of music we want. We can talk about well, we're going to talk about wrestling anyway. I'm sure because yeah. we always talk about wrestling every time exactly. we get together. But and we can talk about movies from any era. So. Light, future lights out episodes won't always be from 1993. Yeah, it just so happened it's just to have last two. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason we're doing this one is because on the retro bud, the last April that we had, we did Demonic Possession Month over there, which was a fantastic month. Very enjoyed all those episodes. But we did oh, Evil yeah. One and Evil Dead number one and number two. I mean, you can't have a, a, a string of shows without talking about Evil Dead Three, aka Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right about that. So, but yeah, we're, we're going to go all that. We'll talk about the movie. We'll talk about some of the background of the movie, too. Uh, but we'll also talk about some stuff that we, we like to talk about. You know, because it's really fun. You know, on the retro, but we always talk about 80s wrestling. You know, what's happening around that time, the time frame, the 80s wrestling. But it's fun when we do, like, these outside shows, you know, outside the 80s universe. Because when every time I look up stuff for like 90s wrestling that that kind of resonates more with me because a lot of these stars that we'll talk about were stars you know in the attitude era and that's kind of like how i grew up watching wrestling was from the attitude attitude era from like 1998 and beyond so it's really fun to talk about some of these names on here but uh we got a lot of shit uh, how, how do you feel awesome do you want to do, do the first strike huh are you doing the first blow are, are you gonna are you gonna uh are you gonna uh t- tie up with me or are you just gonna low blow low, low blow me out of the spot well 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna low blow you at first. So let's do that. Let's do some heavy metal from uh, 1993. Oh boy, first. going right to the jugular. <laughs> we'll go right. We'll go right to the jugular. So you said you didn't have any music or any metal or at all, or no, nah, I didn't have time to look it up because I I knew okay. you were, but I did want to I did want to research something, and you might know this. You know, we just you know we're just talking right now. When did Nine Inch Nails like form? Was that like was that like late 90s or was that kind of like more like in the middle? No, it would have been like. Probably formed in like 1989 or so, but Nine Inch Nails' first album came out in 1990 or 1990. Okay. Because, you know... I do have a Nine Inch Nails story from this time period, though, by the way. Oh, but. we'll have to probably talk about that. Let me see if I can actually find the form date, because, you know, you know, I was I was mostly a 90s... I was born in the 80s, but I was mostly a 90s kid. And, you know, since we're talking about these shows, talking about mi- music during the 90s and stuff, you know, like... Nine Chanel's is probably like one of my, that was probably like my first rock band I ever listened to. You know, besides yeah. rock band on my own, I, I should say. You know, my dad used to blare like Black Sabbath and Sticks and shit. But I'm talking about like fucking, you know, my own 90s era band was Nine Chanel's. And I, I had pretty much all their CDs. I had all their little uh, singles. They used to do, remember they used to number them all throughout? Yeah, yeah those were cool. When they had, where they numbered them. Yeah. Um, his nothing records releases was like nothing one, nothing two. Yeah. But yeah. First of all, Black Sabbath is not shit, by the way. Black Sabbath is a great band, but I'll, I'll let No, I said sticks. All right. <laughs> Black Sabbath is fine, but I'm talking about that damn sticks. I used to hear sticks all the fucking time. Yeah. Sticks. Sticks is pretty lame. Jeez. Sticks is pretty lame. So this is crazy. Check, um, check this out. So it says yeah. Nine Chanel's was formed in 1988. And apparently yeah, the Pretty fine. Hate Machine was released in 1989. So that's pretty sweet. So maybe we'll 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 recycle back to that. Sometime I'm sure we will. That's earlier than I thought. That's yeah. earlier than I thought. I remember seeing Nine Inch Nails in 1991, and then I know that during this period, um, I I remember this specifically. This is a thing that I do remember from my own life is that they were going through some kind of uh, um um lawsuit situation with TVT Records which apparently TVT records is like the worst record label that's ever existed. Um, like I don't I, like every single band that I've ever known that's been on TVT has either had to sue them or has never been paid. Um, so we'll see. Um, but I'm pretty sure that they were in a lawsuit with TVT records trying to get off the label so they could sign with Electra, I believe whoever their major label was at the time. Um, but they had released, um, the EP though, what was it called? Broken? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. So they had released that. So the only Nine Inch Nails we had to listen to in nineteen in February of nineteen ninety three was Pretty Hate Machine and the Broken EP. And then I believe it was March of ninety four. So about a year after this time period is when they released um, the Downward Spiral. Downward Spiral, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember the mm-hmm. downward spiral coming out because I was leaving to go to New York. Um, I worked at a record store during this time, through the 93, 94 era, and I was leaving to go to New York the next day. Um, and I bought Downward Spiral, I believe, the day before it came out. Nice. Yeah, I got and it then, too. I think I got it. Yeah. Well, I think I got that one a little later on because I don't think I... I was listening to Nine Inch Nails probably, probably like 96, 97. That's probably when I started listening to them. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's, so that, it's yeah. already been out a for a little, little while. But yeah. but no joke, that Broken, 
that EP Broken is probably one of my favorite albums they did. Like, cause you know that the little live track on there, and I just love that. Yeah. I just love that whole EP um, album they did. It's like one of my favorites of all time. I'm assuming you only ever listen to that on uh, on on CD, right? Yeah, yeah, I only had it on CD. Yeah. So the cassette of that, if I remember correctly, I could be completely wrong, but um, this scarred me so bad that I probably am not wrong about this. So you know how it has like it has all the songs on it, but they're all on one side of the cassette tape, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's two other songs that I can't remember if they're not listed or if they're bonus tracks on the CD, um, but they're all the way at the end of the other side of the cassette. Damn, they got to do a whole lot of fast forwarding for that one, huh? Yeah. So basically you listen to the EP and then you turn the cassette over and it's blank all the way until the end of it, like the last 10 minutes of tape. I could be wrong about this. I should have researched this beforehand, but I didn't know we were going to be talking about Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Um, but um, that's a light side, brother. Sh- you hit me with a low blow. You hit me with a low blow. I fucking uh, yeah. I just fucking hit you with a chair. That's what I do. <laughs> that's why we don't give a fuck on the lights out, man. We just go at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just got hit by a chair. But anyway, I think that uh, the last the last ten minutes of the second side of the cassette were the two songs. And I, I remember that being the most annoying fucking thing in the world like yeah. you had to you had to you had to fast forward it all the <laughs> way to the end like, there's some oh cds God. that still did that too like you would get to the end and didn't make you like skip a bunch of tracks like maybe like 50 to 100 tracks just to get to a hidden song you remember the tool one um this is from this time period too i guess um i think it's anima that has um it has the songs and then like that last track is broken up between like 80 different little tiny tracks mm-hmm so that if yeah. you put it in and hit, um, if you put it in and hit um, shuffle, most of the time it'll play one or two seconds of that last song. It's really obnoxious. Yeah, sounds like it. But uh, you know, I didn't be, before we start talking about the stuff you actually researched. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking I remember my first cassette like when I was a kid. Yeah. The first one I remember I had it. I had the Walkman. I loved everything about it. I might have talked about this before on some of the retro bloods, but I had the fucking crisscross fucking cassette tape. I was fucking listening to that thing like crazy, man. Crisscross. Wow. The, the fucking band, man. They were great. I, I, no, I know who they are. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm proud that you'll admit that. Uh, I'll theory. admit a lot of stuff. So I didn't even get into metal. Or rock, you know, my I, like I said before, my dad when I was younger, he played like Black Sabbath, and, you know, Sticks, Metallica. You know, I listened to that stuff. You know, I didn't appreciate it at the time because you know I was a kid. I wanted to be rebellious to my parents. So right. the thing that that I listened to first, living as a young uh, J.K. Klein in Miami, I I the three bands well the four, Criss Cross was one of them. I bought a Tupac CD that I had to return because it had too much cuss, cussing on it. Right, and then I and then um, I I got the uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony cassette, which was I think that's great. You know, the, well, the, that's a, yeah, that's a great album. Yeah, so that was a, that was a good one to keep in the in in the collection. Yeah. And then my girl, my main girl at the time, my main crush, I fucking wore the fuck out of that Mariah Carey CD or and tape. Mm. Boom, brother. That's how you do it. But you fucking are you were a kid, rap. though. You were you were a kid, and you yes. just wanted to fit in with everybody else. And I'm sure I did that too. Well, even though I've well, and then and then, from my memory. And then what happened was, so what happened was when I grew up a little bit, I was I think I was listening to music. You know, I was probably like 12, 13 maybe. 
And then when I hit the age of like 14 or 15, my brother was like, hey, listen to this. And it was Nine Inch Nails. And I was like, whoa, this stuff is trippy. Like, this stuff is awesome. Like, this is way better than the shit I've been listening to, you know? So I rem- my first bands, I remember actually rock bands where I was getting into, like new age bands, not like the old, old older stuff, was uh, yeah. Nine Inch Nails and this band called Filter. I listened to those, mm-hmm. two, those two bands. Like, that's kind of like what started my... My my love for rock music was those two bands and then beyond. So, yeah, yeah, the guy from Filter used to be in Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I think they came out the album out around the same time. But I like I remember the album I remember buying in stores when it actually came out was the the Fragile. So I was like super pumped yeah. for that album coming out, and I bought that thing the first time it came out. So. Yep, I remember going to Circuit City to buy the Fragile when it came out. I bought it at the Best Buy when it actually carried. A big long aisle of CDs. Of CDs, yeah, yeah. and had people that put them in the right order and stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a, I have a similar t- story about buying my first. That's probably not my first cassette, but one of the first ones that I bought. I being, I remember being a little kid, and we would go to Roses because it was next door to this. It's like a uh, Roses almost doesn't exist anymore, but it's basically like a. Um, it's it's like a very small Walmart. Uh, it was a department store, like like Walmart is kind of, but it, it didn't have nearly as much. And it was wasn't nearly as big, but they had tapes and records and things. And I remember having enough money to buy a tape, so I was going in and I was going to buy a tape, and I had no idea what to get because you know the internet didn't exist, and yeah, it was hard to find music to listen to. And I know that I like older music, you know, like seventies rock and stuff like that, and um, so. <laughs> I almost just picked one at random and the random tape that I picked was Led Zeppelin four. Oh, okay. Nice. Now think about that for a minute. Like, you know, like I, you know, like I just randomly picked like one of the greatest albums of all time. Maybe it was just the cover art looked so good. And maybe the cover looked cool. I'd heard of Led Zeppelin and I knew that they were like a famous band. I was probably, I don't know, six or seven or something. And I, I knew they were a popular band, and I'd I'd heard of the song "Stairway to Heaven," but I didn't know what it sounded like. And I saw that "Stairway to Heaven" was on it, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll get this." And that was like mind blowing. Like, I, oh, it's unbelievable. Definitely. So, what else you got for us? For what kind of uh, maneuver are you gonna be putting on putting on me putting on the audience? All right, all right. So, um, one of the things that came out around this time. And um, my thing just refreshed, so I've got to... Uh, so the time period we're talking about <laughs> is February oh, yes. 19th, oh, yes. 1993. That's when the release of Army of the Darkness came out to the U.S. It was in a, it was in a fest- festival in October of 92, but they had to do some recuts, reshoots, and then they released it worldwide to U.S. audience in February 19th, 1993. So that's the month that we're going to be talking about. Here. Uh, yes. So um, one thing that I want to talk about, since this is a lights out episode and completely different, is right before this, I believe it was February the 9th, uh, Tupac released uh, Strictly for My N-Words, nice. which um, I uh, actually that came out February 16th, um, which has Keep Your Head Up. And um, it's, it's an incredible album. Um, so good. And I was also into hip hop around this time, but only like the kind of more hard stuff like Tupac and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I do remember this time cause I was working in a record store. It was like my first job and I absolutely hated it. And when I look back through these, 
Um, mm-hmm. I hated every minute. I thought it'd be my dream job, but I hated every minute that I was there. And I have never worked at a record store since then. And I've never wanted to. Um, and I think that when I look back through the music that was released, especially in February of 1993, I realized, I remember why I hated it. <laughs> yeah. A little tough, I remember huh? all this. Sh- yeah. It was all this shit I had to sell. And I can remember that like, you know, in 1991, there was so much promise for music for young people because Nirvana had come out and those bands like Alice in Chains was bringing back an old sound, but it was heavy and new. And, uh, also at the same time and there was so much promise but by 93 there were just a million bands copying Soundgarden and Nirvana and Alice in Chains and all this shit sounded the same then you had the same bullshit coming out all the time like you know Mariah Carey and all that kind of bullshit coming out constantly they'll be hating on my girl um <laughs> and um are you telling me you I, did not get the Batman Forever soundtrack no, I did not. Is Mariah Carey on that? I don't know. I was just thinking that's one of the uh, <laughs> tapes I had too was the Batman Forever soundtrack. No, yeah, what? Batman Forever. That's the one with uh, Val Kilmer, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. Because um, it had that song uh, from Seal that's very popular. Yeah, I believe so. I believe you're right. I believe it had the, the, the popular Seal song, which I'm sure I sold that as a single many, many times. Yeah. <laughs> but... um. On the 23rd, which is like, two, you know, three days or four days after this, Ice Cube released um, It Was a Good Day on a single, which is a classic now. That is a classic. Good old stuff. Yep. Yep. Didn't have to use my AK. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So there was this album. That I did not realize this album came out then, and I didn't buy it then. I I, I listened to this much later, but there's a Swedish band called The, the Sultry, which is a, it's a real word, but it's hard for me to say. They're called The Sultry. Um, they released this album called Into Eternity on Metal Blade in, in February of 1993. And I believe it came out like right before um, this movie would have come out. And Desultry is like, they're kind of an unusual band in that, I mean, you're familiar with that, um, what they call now the first wave of Swedish heavy of death metal, like At The Gates and bands like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in Flames is, is a little bit later, but they're kind of one of those bands. Um, so Desultry is one of those bands, but their sound was kind of, it was less melodic than the Gothenburg sound. And it was, wasn't quite as brutal as the American death metal sound. So it was kind of in the middle, but into eternity is really good. There's a song called, on there called depression. That's fantastic. And that came out that month. Um, they released one more death metal album and then they started going, they changed their sound to where they sounded kind of like Soundgarden. So they went from death metal to Soundgarden like overnight and then uh, Metal Blade dropped them and then they didn't make another album for years. But they did make an album in 2018, uh, 2017 uh, called Through the um, Arching Aeons. That's really, really good. And it's more like their old sound. It's more death metal-y sounding. Interesting. Um, but yeah, this is a really good album. You should listen to it. I think you'd really like it a lot. I mean, it sounds like it was recorded in 1993, but that's when some of the best stuff was, though. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, we can uh, maybe play a music video or something like that on the YouTube for the lights out sure. section of the extras on the YouTube. Everybody join the Retro Blood Facebook page, group page. We get all the extras, even from this show, too. We throw all kind of extras at you guys. Oh, yeah. You're going to get plenty of extras on this show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what else have we got on music? Is that it? Is that what we listen to? That's basically all I had. I mean, because I just remember it being like, pop singles and then there was a few good metal 
metal albums. Some good death metal, um, but nothing that came out like that week, though. Nice. We'll be uh, visiting you at the record store and make sure we're asking for the newest and greatest Mariah Carey CD. Yep. (laughs) Or on tape. Or on tape, brother. All right, so we actually have a, a huge wrestling segment. 90s wrestling, brother. You can't beat it. Good shit. Now, I, now before we get into it, though, uh, on the Lights Out podcast, the first ever one, Leprechaun, that we did last mm-hmm. month, I have to correct something that we talked about. So oh, I have on, a correction, too. Sorry, okay. and it reminded me. Go ahead. But you, 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 you go yours first. Cool. The one with mine was, so we talked about the 93 Royal Rumble. With Yokozuna yes. winning, we talked about all that. Now, the thing that we had to correct was we did talk about that year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania Nine, and what we did say was that Yokozuna won the belt, won the belt, brother. He won the belt, and then Hulk Hogan beat him for the belt. And then we thought, you know, because after that, after that happened, Yokozuna beat Hulk Hogan again for the belt. But we said it was on Tuesday night in Texas. It wasn't. So Tuesday night in Texas actually happened when Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan for the belt, which was in 92. And he beat um, Hulk Hogan for the belt at Survivor Series in 92. And then he went, then that then that Tuesday was Tuesday in Texas, and Hulk Hogan won back the belt. On the show that we talked about, Leprechaun, with WrestleMania 9, Yokozuna did win the belt, but it wasn't until that month's, the next month's King of the Ring pay-per-view, which was a great King of the Ring pay-per-view, 1993 King of the Ring pay-per-view, which was uh, won by our boy Bret Hart having three fantastic matches. So, a little correction there, but, you know, same outcome. Yeah, I thought that was really strange, because I, I actually went back to look that up, and I was like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. But um, but I see why you were confused, though, because it is a similar sort of outcome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where they, they got the title off Hogan quick, and then they gave it, and you know, it just—it just—it was the same scenario. It just done a little different. That's probably why I got I, it mixed up with it, right? Because I believe what actually happened, if I, because I went back and watched it, because I really like, I've really been into Yokozuna lately for some reason. So I've been watching a lot Great of his wrestling. matches. So I watched that match, that match with Bret Hart at that WrestleMania in Las Vegas, which um, was like in the middle of the day, apparently. Yeah, that match was actually cut um, a little short too. <laughs> Yeah, because even that um, even that main event, the sun was still out in March. So they must have done that in the middle of the day for some reason, and it was outside, yep. which is, I guess not unusual for WrestleManias now. But but um, but yeah, so you know, like like we just said, you know, uh, Hogan comes out, takes the title in ten seconds from Yokozuna, but Yokozuna did win it back at the next pay per view. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't this Tuesday in Texas. It was exactly. it was something else. King of the Ring, brother, the King of the Ring. That was my match. That was my ma- that was one of my favorite pay per views, the King of the Ring and the tournament. I always loved the King of the Ring pay per views and tournaments. Yeah, especially up in, in the mid nineties. Exactly. They yeah, they were really good because you know it was run by Bret Hart, and then the next year it was run by Owen Hart, and they, you know, from there be, be, after we, well, you know, when we got the King Mabel and shit, it kind of went downhill a little bit. But you know, at least we had Bret Hart and Owen Hart win it, which definitely helped out. Hmm. And then Steve Austin um, won at 96, which was supposed to be Triple H, but because of the uh, curtain call, the famous curtain call, it was taken off Triple H. So that might have changed history right there if that had never happened. Exactly. I mean, just think about that. If that never happened, Austin 316 would never have existed. Yeah, unless he brought it up for something else, but he probably wouldn't have the idea in his head. Yeah, the reason he had the idea in his head because he was feuding with Jake the Snake at the time. Yep, exactly. 
exactly. So, I mean, if he'd been in another feud, he might not have thought about that. So, whatever thing we had to correct that we, that we, so the other up. thing, the other we thing, it, it's not really a mess up, but you, you did bring this up months ago. All right. And only our archival listeners will probably remember this, but um, do you remember we were talking about an 80s? Um, I believe we were talking about that house show that was in Pontiac, Michigan, uh-huh. the WWF one. And you were asking me how much I thought a ticket was to a show like that. And you said that you thought it would be, I believe you said like $60. Mm-hmm. Which you, it was probably you lowballing. So yeah. I actually looked this up, and I looked it up by looking up tickets on eBay, like because you can buy like um, used wrestling tickets from like the eighties. Wow, they'll sell anything so, for marks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a wrestling ticket for WWF um, for the big event, which was Hogan and um, Orndorff. So it's not this show, but it's also not a house show. Was twenty dollars. Wow. I mean, I would assume it was going to be kind of cheap. You know, I would just yeah. maybe. I mean, even the front row or just a regular ticket. Well, no, front row is probably more. Well, I, I mean, fuck, there's exactly like twenty bucks playing. nowadays. We get the cheap seats for for a big show. Yeah, sometimes they said t- they said the summer. Yeah. Remember when we were at Raw? They said SummerSlam tickets starting at twenty five dollars. Well, okay. Well, that's a good point. That is a good point. You, yeah. you make a good point with that. Because man, shit, when I went to that WrestleMania in Dallas. I think it was like 30 or 31 or something like that. I can't remember. Fuck, you can get two cheap ass sheets way up there in the top for probably like 20 bucks each, you know, maybe even 15 bucks. Well, you know? that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. So back back to the research for that, I guess. But, you know, they are more expensive nowadays, especially if you're trying to get closer. Like, there's no yeah. joke about that for a big show. I mean, you can get a WrestleMania SummerSlam ticket. It'd probably be like 800 to 1,000 a pop, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, $20 was actually pretty expensive for a ticket then. Yeah. Um, Because I can remember um, now different parts of the country obviously had different uh, means, like they had different amounts of money. But I can remember like Jim Crockett shows in Charlotte being $8. You know, like you'd pay $8 to go see Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. Which would be fucking awesome. Uh, Yeah. Um, Of course, I mean, most people probably made, you know, two bucks an hour or something at that time, but still. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) All right. So what do you got for us on the wrestling? So I have two things. Uh, one's a huge downer and one's a huge upper. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll do the downer first. And I have so a, I have before, a house show. <laughs> you have a house show. That's amazing. Okay. So I'm going to bar, so, I'm going to barbed wire your ass with the house show. All right. Fair enough. So the day before this movie came out on February 19th, uh-huh. on February 18th was the day that Carrie Von Eric killed himself. Oh shit. Is yeah. that the one where he did the shotgun and the fucking, and the part in his back, back of his house? Yeah, and yeah, Ooh. yeah. We we went out in the in the their property and killed yeah. himself. Oh, so uh, horrible. So yes, yeah, so that was so that's a downer. Yeah, um, that's crazy, man. Then, Those Von Erichs, you know, like great wrestling family, great wrestlers. You know, I think Kerry Von Erich. I mean, he could have been if he didn't have that foot injury. I mean, he he probably could have been their next Ultimate Warrior. He he could have been the better Ultimate Warrior. You know, for them. The Texas yeah. Tornado because he had the body, he he had the wrestling ability. His promos probably weren't the best, but he could probably work on it. But he he probably could have been like Ultimate War level, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he wrestled in WWF with a prosthetic foot, right? 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like, if he, if his foot yeah. wasn't all messed up and he wasn't going to some so, so many issues, I think his run in the in the in, in the F at the time would have been would have been a lot better and a lot legendary than it was. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, hell of a talent. I wish I'd gotten to see him wrestle more, but yeah, I've been awesome. He just he wasn't in my territory at the time, so I just didn't get to see him much. I would have never saw him. On, yeah. Um, and then on February 21st, which would have been um, like probably the Sunday, 21st. Yeah. Yep. So this movie came out on a Friday. It would have been the Sunday of February of 1993 was uh, the WCW Super Brawl 3, Ooh, which fantastic. took place. Oh. Yeah. Which took place in our current stomping grounds of Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. At buddy. the Civic Center. And Talk when I, I watched this show, it yeah, only drew 6,000. Yeah, I watched the I just yeah, I, well, pretty much. I skipped some things, but I watched pretty much the show. All right, hold on. Hold on, hold on. It only drew 6500 people and that building holds like 8000. So it wasn't a sellout, um but it looked like it was. It was pretty full, but it's kind of crazy to think. I wasn't into wrestling then. I wasn't watching wrestling at all. I got you. So, but if I had been and I'd gone to the show, this would have been fantastic. I mean, like every match was fucking great. I mean, the opening match was Brian Pillman and stunning Steve Austin versus Eric Watson, Buff Bagwell. Nice. And I mean, that's what started it. And then you had two, two cold Scorpio. And wait, 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 wait. Did you say it was Buff Bagwell? Well, he's called Marcus Bagwell. No, no, he's not. Alice, uh, Viking Santa. He's called fucking Marcus <laughs> Alexandra Bagwell. Oh, thank that's you. That's true. I forgot. <laughs> he went to his. Fucking WWE. Fucking, we can't even have one name in fucking <laughs> WWE now. This motherfucker has three. All right, has three. <laughs> three. Yeah, we can't. We can't have. We can't have two names. Austin Theory is too much to remember. He, they might get him confused with Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This motherfucker has three names. I was like, what? It's like a paragraph reading his name, and we can't even have one name now. And barely yeah. even a name. Marcus. As soon as they're just gonna name, oh, oh, it's not Tommaso Champ anymore. We have Champ. Like that's Champ. probably it's coming up Champ. pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> Just T, just T. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he was. They were talking about how he was a rookie. He was only two years in the business. Bro, he was time. great. I loved Marcus Alexander Bagwell, especially when he teamed up with two quote Scorpio. Oh my god, what a great team! Fucking young baby faces, fantastic brother. I love it. Yeah, I didn't see Scorpio until uh, he was in ECW late, later on. Yeah, he was in WWE for a while. And I think he was in, uh, wasn't he in WWF as Flash Funk? Yeah, Flash Funk, yep. Flash Funk, yeah. Uh, Two Cold Scorpio is a much better name, though. That's 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 a badass wrestling name right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was badass. Um, he is actually one of those wrestlers that I'm surprised doesn't get as much praise as he did. Because he was, he was like a big guy. Like, he wasn't like, you know, super fat or nothing. But he was a bigger dude and a little bit taller dude. And he was doing all the high-flying shit that you see other big dudes nowadays do. Like he was doing mm. moonsaults, backflips, drop, you know, good drop kicks, all kinds of shit. Like this guy, like his matches were fantastic. And like, yeah, he, he's, he, he's always been like a, like a bigger guy doing all these crazy spots and moves. And like, he was just, I, I don't think he got as much praise as he should have had. I agree. I mean, he doesn't have, he, he, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves for sure. And he's still wrestling today. Yeah. Um, he's he's wrestling for GCW even uh, nice. even in the last few weeks. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so they had um, um, Cactus Jack um, pinned Paul Orndorff in a Falls Count Anywhere match, and he probably pinned him anywhere. 
Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't remember what the outcome of that was, but I'm pretty sure he just beat him down until, uh, until he couldn't get up anymore. Yep. But, um, also throughout this whole match, what they don't talk about in my highlights here or my, uh, results is through the whole match. They, um, they keep hinting that Ric Flair is there. And if I'm not mistaken, I didn't look this part up, but if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that Flair had just quit WWF. Yes. Because he lost that in January. He lost that lead. Loser leaves town match to Mr. Perfect on Monday Night Raw. Okay, so this would have been about a month before this, I guess. Yeah, a month before this, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were they were hinting that Ric Flair was there. So Ric Flair returned to WCW in uh, in Asheville. Um, and then Missy Hyatt, um, being her typical self, spends the entire show chasing Ric Flair. Uh, like, you don't, they don't, you don't actually see Ric Flair, but, like, his car will pull up, and then she... Uh, she runs up to his to the window of his car, trying to get an interview with him, and then she gets like arrested by security and hauled away. And so this happens through the whole show, where she's trying to find Ric Flair because they hint that he's there, but they don't really know that for sure. And then uh, so the show continues, and you had Rock and Roll Express who beat the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champions, which were the Heavenly Bodies, which was Tom Pritchard and Stan Lane. They won by DQ though, so no titles changed hands. Do they have Jim Jim Cornette by them. They did. They had Jim Cornette with them. Yeah. Nice. Um, this was a weird, uh, weird one. Oh, and so when the show started, um, Max Payne played the national anthem on an electric guitar. Max Payne. Which, do you mean yeah. Mad Mountain Rock? Uh, yes. That was his. Sure. That was his. That was that was his F name. His his WWF right. name. Mad Mountain Rock. <laughs> the yes. fuck did they come yeah, up with is, this shit? <laughs> which, but I'm not sure. That's not any worse than Max Payne, I don't think. Yeah, they're both pretty uh, They're both pretty uh, 90s right there. <laughs> um, so this is going on. Uh, he, he's on the show. He, he had to wrestle Dustin, Dustin Rhodes. Um, now, Dustin Rhodes was supposed to wrestle someone else, who I can't remember who that was off the top of my head. Um, but it, due to an injury, that person couldn't actually be there. And... Um, so Max Payne stepped in and um, Dustin won by DQ. So it was kind of a non non match. I did want to ask you something. We'll stop here at this point because I wanted to ask you something. I know who this person is, um, but I don't know why they are. Okay. Um, so maybe you could explain this to me. So can you explain the phenomenon of Johnny B. Bad? Yes. Why, why is Johnny B. Bad? Okay. So <clears throat> I actually know this really well. So our main man at the time who's booking. Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. He loved Little Richard. All right, he fucking saw Mark Merrill, which is Mark Merrill's um, Johnny B. Bad's real name, even though he's Mark right, Merrill yeah. in, in, in F. Um, right, exactly. So apparently, Mark Merrill he was a former boxer. All right, so uh, he was like a Golden Gloves boxer or something like that, and then he became to do the into the to the WCW. And Dusty took a look at this guy. He's like, you know what? Like, okay, what are we going to do with this guy? We got a boxer. We trained him. He's like, this motherfucker looks like Little Richard. I'm going to give him a Little Richard gimmick. So that's how we have Johnny B. Bad. He's supposed to be like a Little Richard gimmick where he comes out and he fucking, you know, he's all tanned up, has a little mullet going on there, has a little stash and stuff, tanned to the fucking brims. He actually kind of looked yeah. like a Little Richard, but his gimmick he does was... kind of look like him, yeah. The gimmick was he just like, like, did those little pop things in front of the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, he didn't wrestle in this show at all. He's just on it. Yeah. Okay. Being, being himself. Well, okay. So he <laughs> was. Okay. So Mark Merrill was way better as Johnny B. Bad than he was as fucking Mark Merrill. This guy, like, he he was great. Like, he was a great opening match wrestler. You know what I mean? He get the cow yeah. growing, smiling, very high flying at the time. Um, you know, great, great, great body. He looked good coming out. You know, type of gimmick. Uh, he sprayed the little pop stuff. Everybody liked him. Good old baby face. Main eventer? No. But he never was. But you know, <laughs> good opening. Right. He's a good opening match guy, and he was great. You know, and in in the F, he was just some sort of plain boxer guy who eventually got overshadowed by his wife. So yeah. you know, shit happens. But I was I was like Mark Merrill. I always thought he was a pretty good promo too. I mean, he's not bad. It's just like yeah. it just seems so like. Well, I, I'm I'm kind of um, tainted a little bit because I hated Mark Merrill in the F. Um, yeah. I just hated like everything that he did. I thought he was incredibly boring and just an annoying. Well, annoying the problem person. with him in the F was he got that bad leg injury, mm. so he couldn't do all his fla- flashy high flying shit. And so they're just like, okay, we want you to punch a lot. And then what happened was they b- fucking brought him into the brawl for all, and he got fucking knocked out like a like a bitch. And then like there goes his fucking career, basically. Yeah, I mean that's oh, basically yeah, so what the, happened. Yeah. yeah, the brawl for all yeah. killed a lot of people's careers. A lot of people. Um, I'm surprised yeah. it didn't ruin Bradshaw's. It did for a little bit, but then he came back. And then yeah. it, fucking, it, um, it fucking killed Bart Gun. His fucking prize yeah, was get, his career. fucking prize was getting knocked out by Butterbean. What a yep. <laughs> like fuck, yeah. man. <laughs> awful, awful, awful decision for 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 investment man there, I think. Yeah. But um but yeah, so so Mark Marrow, Johnny B. Bad is a white dude. And but the, but and when I watch him in the matches that I've seen him in, because I've been watching some of this old WCW around this time. And he looks way more tan than everyone else. So the only thing I can think of is like they had him tan as much as possible so that he could look like a light skinned black guy, kind of like Little Richard. Yeah, I mean that, that was, was the, that, that was, was that has to be the gimmick. Yeah, right? that's the that's the gimmick. Make him look as much like Little Richard as possible. That's just weird. I just think that's weird. <laughs> that was the Dusty Rhodes baby. We got we're gonna slap you in a gimmick, Playboy. You're gonna like it. <laughs> You're gonna be good. So, You're gonna be little Richard. <laughs> but then apparently we also had two um two title we had two titles here. So you mean the main belts? event of this show is the title yeah, two belts, excuse me. Two two belts. Yeah, Alice, I don't want you talking um, that title crap on the lights out. Huh? No. They're belts. We say belts the on the yeah, we say the straps are the belts on the lights out, brother. Uh, all right, you're right, you're right. We don't we don't we don't do titles here. So anyway, so um the uh, so Barry Windham, um, excuse me, Barry Windham is on the show. So Barry Windham wrestles the Great Muda in the in the main event oh. for the NWA World Heavyweight Belt. So that was the belt that Ric Flair. So Ric Flair comes out to the ring right before this match, and he says um, he, they do an interview with him, and he said he's here to watch the title the the match for the belt that he never lost. So. That has to do with him going to WWF when, um, mm-hmm. when he, when he went to title. WWF, he, yeah. he kept the title, right? Because they, yeah. they wouldn't give him his deposit back. Exactly. Because back then you had to put a deposit down on the title, and then they wouldn't give him his deposit back, so he didn't give the title back, and he took it to WWF with him. Um, so he's there, and obviously you know, this is probably going to lead into him wanting a title shot. Um, so Muda has the title. And then um, uh, Barry Windham beats him, and then Flair gets into the ring with the title, 
and he puts it on Wyndham. Yeah, because um, Wyndham's um, all surprised. The original plan before Flair left was to drop the belt to Wyndham. But when Flair left, they originally they they dropped that plan. They gave it to Luger instead. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that's little side I, story. Yeah. I poked you in the eye right there. That's that's right. You I did. did you, you, that was that was an eye poke. But it's all perfectly <laughs> legal on the li- on the unsanctioned. Yeah, buddy. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> um. So anyway, so that would have been an amazing match, and you know, as much of a fan as I am of the Great Muda. Yeah. Like this oh, match great. is about thirty minutes long. I would have killed to have been at that show. I would too because I bro, that Barry Wyndham is a great wrestler. Like he is great. Like mm-hmm. I, I usually don't like the cowboy gimmick. I think it's hokey dokey. But if there was gonna be a fucking cowboy that I liked, it was Barry Wyndham because this motherfucker can wrestle. And the you know the great Muda. I I my first um. When I, when I first knew about Great Muda was, of all things, he was in WCW 2000, brother. And he yeah. was with Vampiro and the Misfits. And I was like, this yeah. fucking guy's awesome. Like, and then, I did, of course, I did my research later on. I figured out who the Great Muda was over time. But my first, you know, when I first saw him as a, as a young man, I saw him with Vampiro when they were teaming up. I think they were like, oh, no, actually, it was Vampiro, it was Great Muda, and it was ICP. And they were like... Yeah, the, before the Misfits. Yeah, the before the Misfits, yeah. No, 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 no. It was after the Misfits. The Misfits what were there. Really? Yeah. The uh, the ICP and Vampiro and uh, Great Muda was after the whole Misfits thing. Because the Misfits, I forgot, were, was like 1999 WCW. Oh, yeah. Because that was when, um, not Russo, but the other one. Ed Ferrara was uh, basically making fun of JR every day. Yeah. And he brought out Dr. Like, Vampiro. Yeah. Vampiro. Yeah. yeah. And he was bringing out Dr. Steve. Doctor Death, yeah, and I really, Steve Williams, yeah. I, yeah, I really liked the Vampiro crew. I, I wasn't, I was never a big fan of ICP. All right, I don't know if it's gonna kill a bunch of listeners. I know a lot of people like them. I was never a big fan of ICP. I respect what they do because they're big wrestling fans and stuff, and they'll go out there and get their ass whoops. But I never liked the music. I never liked the whole culture thing. I didn't give a fuck. All right, but. I liked the group they were in, the Dark Carnival, the Dark Circus or whatever it's called. And I liked it yeah. when they came out with that dark like clown makeup. I thought that was super cool at the time because I was always into like the darker characters in wrestling. So, but yeah, the Great Moon is great. Continue. Yes, the Great Moon is great. So that was the main event of the show, but it was not the final match. Let me guess. Because. Okay, well, go ahead. I'll let you do it. No, I was going to say, you can go ahead I and No, I don't want to cut you off. You know what I mean? This is when I got you for the concerto, and I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, should I smash yeah. this motherfucker's head in, or should I let him do his stuff? Yeah, but now you've waited too long. So, what we had that night was we had an unsanctioned lights out match. Oh which shit! Which would have been perfect, perfect, perfect for this episode perfect. of Lights Out. Mm-hmm. And so we also had an unsanctioned lights out match. They did not dim the lights, which I'm guessing was because this was on pay per view, and if they had done that, they wouldn't have been able to see very well. Yeah. So they wanted to leave. They left the lights up so that the pay-per-view crew could to, could shoot it. Because now you can dim the lights like an AEW because quality of video is much better. But then you yeah. couldn't do that. Yeah, it makes so, sense. So now, so that makes sense. However, this what's coming next does not make sense. But maybe you can explain it to me. So the main event, uh, it was fantastic. But the main event was Big Van Vader oh. versus Sting. Oh my god, fantastic. In a white castle of fear, yes, leather strap match. Ah, I love it. <laughs> yes, so give me more. The 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 concept. Have you, have you seen the videos for this? Oh my god! 
They're so great um, and so corny. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I watched the whole match. The match is good, but the promos that they showed of it showed them in a helicopter. Yep. And separate helicopters flying over like the Rocky Mountains or something in their snow. Yes. And I don't know if that's supposed to be Asheville or whatever, but like there's these snowy mountains. And there's like there's like they, one promo. Never... There's like one promo of Vader. He looked like he's in some sort of ice castle. Just fucking just going off. <laughs> they oh. never explain. They never. They do say that Vader hails from the Rocky Mountains. Yes. Which they've never said before because he's always from Los Angeles or Compton. I think is what they say he's from. Yeah. Which is actually true. He's from L.A. But, um, but they they never explain the concept of this White Castle of fear. Um, there's no castle. Um, well, that's where that's where the big Van Vader character formed. You know, it's kind of like He Man. He's in a fucking castle. Okay. You know what I mean? He's one of the enemies from a castle. It is called White Castle. Not to be confused with the fucking hamburger. Well, that's that's what I, I kept thinking. Was this like was this sponsored by White Castle? But then there's no ads. <laughs> like it's a White it's Castle of Fear, man. All right, come on now. That sounds like a fucking He-Man reference if there ever was one. The White that's Castle right. of Fear. I, come on. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, though it, he didn't, he should have worn his big mat, his big helmet to the ring. He didn't though. Yeah. That uh, but sweet. this was a traditional strap match. Obviously, no. Um, uh, they do say so. That, so the 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 belt we just saw being contested for was the NWA World Heavyweight Belt. Yeah, but they do say that um, uh, Vader is a heavyweight champion. Yeah, he's the WCW so, heavyweight champion. Okay, so, so they had two so, different yes, heavyweight champions. Yeah, so during this time, they had the International Heavyweight Championship, was which was the NWA Championship, was which was the big gold belt. And then, exactly, they, right. and then they had the WCW championship, which was like the one that Vader usually held, which was kind of like, it looked like a traditional title. Um, just like, kind of, it, it looked like a form of the wing Eagle to, in, a, in a little bit. So basically what happened was, you know, uh, Turner bought WCW from Crockett, you know, Correct. but, but yeah. then, but they were, when they bought it from Crockett, they were still affiliated with the NWA. So, but WCW wanted to have their own belt, kind of like the E, you know, or the F at the time. And right. so that's why they made the WCW belt, but they still kept on the um, the big old belt, you know, to, to please the NWA. And eventually, I think it might have been either this year, 93 or 94, they eventually like combined both belts together and they just kept the big gold belt and called it the WCW Championship. But, but during this time, we had two titles, kind of like how we do nowadays with the Universal title and, and the WWE title. Okay. Except they're both uh, on the same show. Yeah, yeah, and, and they like, were both on the no, same for, no, show. For, yeah. for example, like Rick Rude was a world champion, but he wasn't recognized as a WCW World Heavyweight Champion. He was recognized as the International Heavyweight Champion, which was the the NWA Big Gold Belt at the time. So basically, you know, like you can count it as a big world championship, but was it the main title? They were kind of pushing the WCW title a little bit more. You know what I mean? Right. Okay, I got you. It's kind of like when it's kind of like when we had the WWF title and the World Heavyweight title, like when the, the brands emerged for that couple yeah. years, where the 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 world the W the World Heavyweight Championship was more like the Intercontinental title, and then the WWF one was like the main event belt. So that that's what pretty much was right. happening okay. during this time in WCW. I know, bro. This this is like one of my favorite eras of WCW, from fucking ninety to about like fucking two thousand. Like I loved like 
all world championship wrestling. I, I, I have a big fan of the Bill Watts era. I mean, then when you get to the, you know, there's a couple of goofy shit that happens, but the quality of, of wrestling in the ring between like 90, 91 to fucking, I would probably say like 97 WCW mm, was like true, great. Yeah. They had great wrestlers. I mean, fantastic, you know, I just love that era. I, I have a big uh, soft spot. So like, this whole show, I would have loved to gone to the show, especially if it's like nowadays. I would have fucking got the front oh, row. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would have killed to be at this show. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of sucks and I kind of regret. When I watched this, I was like, man, I wish I'd never gotten out of wrestling. Yeah, but, I, I didn't you know, even know I, about I didn't wrestling. I until 98. I fucking didn't start watching wrestling. I didn't know what the fuck it was until 1998 when my brother told me. Like, my first memory of wrestling was seeing Shawn Michaels super kits super kick stone cold steve austin on their build to wrestlemania 14 that's my right. first actual memory of watching wrestling and of course you know like that's why i'm really glad we have like you know the wwe network peacock and shit mm -hmm. because at least we can go yeah. back and watch the old stuff you know the archive stuff is great like i love archive stuff like i remember you know following some you know podcasts and following some shows and stuff when they go like each episode at a time it's just really fun to like watch different wrestling and see what you like you know what i mean Exactly. And a lot of the stuff that's on Peacock now, I was never able to see before. Yeah. Like the w, like the uh, WCCW stuff, which I would, you know, would never have been able to see if, if the WWE Network and Peacock hadn't existed. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, I mean, this was a greater. I would agree with you up until, I would say that WCW was really good up until late 98. Yeah. Because I'm going through that Nitro run now. Now where I'm watching all the ni nitros from the beginning until the end, and it's starting to get pretty shitty. They, they they had good wrestling all the way up until the very end. Like some people were very good, yeah. some people some of, of it was very bad. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, even in the the '99 year, um, '99 or 2000, the the Jersey Triad with DDP, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Canyon. Yeah, they I mean, were those good. were fantastic, fantastic matches. They're so such good wrestlers. Yeah. Um, the commentary tonight is being done by Tony Schiavone and um, uh, um, Jesse Ventura, and nice. yep. I'm sure it's a gimmick. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's a gimmick. But Ventura acts like he's in the middle of nowhere. Um, oh, yeah. You know how I've always told you that people, and and it's probably not that he's probably exaggerating how he really feels about this place. But yeah. he's like, but you know how I told you that um, back during this era, you know, 20, 30 years ago, um, even even today, like this era is area is considered remote. Yeah. You know, like it's hard to get like if you run a business, it's hard to get a vendor to come to you because it's too far away from everything. You know, it's two hours away from everything. Um, it's you know, it's considered remote. And back then it was even more remote. But Ventura is acting like he's been sent like in the middle of the desert somewhere. Yeah. Like he's just <laughs> um, like tiny village in the middle of the Soviet Union well, or somewhere. Like <clears throat> He's just in the middle of nowhere because he's just because he keeps asking Shivani and. Of course, Tony Schiavone lived in North Carolina for years. Yeah, you know because he was he worked for Crockett, and he keeps saying things like, um, like he says, so he's so Schiavone's like he's like, what are the Great Smoky Mountains? What are they talking about? And Schiavone's like, didn't you see him when we drove into town today? <laughs> and he's like, it was cloudy. I have to look again. And then <laughs> Schiavone just gets like exasperated with him, and then he says, and he he keeps saying things like, um. He keeps like giving um, Shivani like these kind of backward compliments. Like he'll keep saying like, um, he's like one thing about North Carolina audiences. He's like, 
He's like, they know they're wrestling. And this is in the middle of the Muda Wyndham match, I think. And he's like, there are, and people went nuts for this. And he's like, he's like, um, he's like, one thing about North Carolina audiences is like, they, they know they're wrestling. And, and he's like, um, and Shivani's like, he's like, you got that right. And then, uh, and he's like, even though they are rednecks or something like that. So he keeps like, <laughs> he keeps like talking about North Carolina, like they're full of rednecks. But one thing, one final thing that I thought was really funny. Was so this is 1993. So Asheville is completely different than than it is now. I mean, it's oh, like yeah. a different world, right? Oh yes. So so, so somehow they end up talking about Rastafarians <laughs> on the commentary. So like you know like Bob Marley type Rastafarians, right? Yeah. And I can't remember how this comes up, but he keeps talking about Rastafarians, and um, and then um. <laughs> Ventura says something like, are there like Rastafarians or, or he's like, are these people Rastafarians or something like that? And then he, and then Shivani's like, well, you know, he's like, there are Rastafarians, you know, in the world. And then Shivani's like, I mean, probably not in Nashville, but there are Rastafarians out there. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. <laughs> Think about how that would be 20 or 30 years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very different now. That's for sure. Very different. Yeah. But yeah, that was a hell of a match. And anybody, if you like, if you have any interest at all in wrestling, anybody out there, um, you should watch uh, Super Brawl three. Yeah, uh, on the Peacock, you can probably get a free subscription for thirty days, or you can sign up for five bucks and watch it. Um, but I would venture to say that if you don't like this show, then wrestling's just not for you. Now, I always yeah. hate. To, I always hate to be that. I always hate to be that guy who's like, if you didn't like this movie, then you just don't like movies. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know what you would like in wrestling if this show doesn't give it to you. That's that's for damn sure. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Like this is a really good sweet spot era for me and and pro wrestling was around ninety three I would say a lot of a lot of yeah. good stuff happening around ninety three when both companies but especially in WCW I thought they were they were doing very very well at this time, which is not what I would expect because you know you always hear those stories yeah. about the horror stories from the people who worked there about how terrible it was after Turner took over yeah. but I mean these shows are fucking good. Though. Well, what I've heard was was the back office. A mess and shambles, but the actual wrestling inside the ring, quality stuff. Yes, absolutely. But how about we actually get into the main portion of our fight here on the Lights Out? How about we actually get into the Army of Darkness? Let's do it. Review, everybody. Army of Darkness, the third installment to the Evil Dead franchise. And boy, this shit was like way different. no kidding like you know on the retro blood uh we did the uh, evil dead one and two and they were they were pretty different from each other you know there were some similarities some differences and stuff but then we like i remember watching army of darkness you know when it came out and i liked it and everything and then you know we we watched it for this show and i'm watching this shit i'm like is this shit like on disney plus because i don't know what the fuck's going on here but this shit's like wacky (laughs) Like, did, I don't know why it reminded me of some sort of like Disney medieval movie or something. Like, yeah, I think I don't know. I think this I might get some odd. hate for that. <laughs> Maybe I'm sure there's some people that think this is the best Evil Dead movie. Was this even like um, a horror movie? No, this is not by any means a horror movie. Yeah. Um, there's nothing horrific. There's nothing scary about it. They have one scene um, that's kind of creepy. That was about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I mean, to me. This movie is about Ash. 
Yeah. Like this, this kind of creates the Ash character. Yeah, we're getting that him, we know today. Him, yeah, yeah, we're getting him over. Yeah, we're getting Ash over for sure. And I, I, I believe I told, I believe I mentioned on the show when we did Evil Dead that um, Evil Dead, the first one, is the only one of those movies I really like. But then when yeah. I watched Evil Dead Two, I was like, okay, I remember why I liked this movie originally. Um, but when I watched this movie, I haven't seen this movie in many, many, many years. I don't own it. I watched it on the Max, but um, yeah. I remembered why I don't like this movie. Um, and I don't hate it. I mean, it's not terrible. It's just not. It's not like the other movies. And it's goofy. It's like a goofy comedy. Yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty um, much like a yeah. goofy comedy made in medieval times. Yeah. Now there's some really, really funny things in it. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the Ash character is is really funny, and you know how they play up on the the fact that Ash is a hero, but he's kind of dumb, um, and he's not he's not real smart. But um, but you know, it, I mean, I don't know. I go back and forth. Like, it's definitely the worst of the three. It's the worst Evil Dead thing ever made. Well, though I haven't seen Ash versus the Evil Darkness, but I'm assuming it's just like this. I mean, I've seen a little bit of that. It's actually not too bad. Because they okay. they they basically just bring back the uh, demons within like the timeline that he ended up in after Army of Darkness. Okay, and then you know, but this like the special effects are better in some ways, but they look worse. Um, like I don't think this movie looks even as good as Evil Dead One. Yeah, and definitely not as good as Two, even though it, it costs more money to make. Um, like a lot of the characters in it just look like they're. Like like they're in Guar, basically. Yeah, especially that. They, I mean, they just especially yeah. the Ash who turned into like the main yeah. villain after the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks like he could be. He looked like exactly like, like he, Odorous. Yeah, exactly. He looks exactly <laughs> like he's in Guar. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it starts off kind of cool, you know, where they have, um, you know, it, it's basically taking off where Evil Dead Two ended. Yeah. Um. You know, where he's standing there on top of the car with the the chainsaw and the shotgun. And then uh, he's supposed to like then. And then, of course, they play off like a typical um, Sam Raimi movie would where, you know, he's he was talked about as the hero in Evil Dead 2. And then he he's like standing there realizing he's the hero that they talked about. But then they immediately like beat him up and take him captive. So he's not like the hero yet. Yeah, he has a he has a, he has to work his way up the ranks. So like yeah, you know yeah. some some interesting stuff about like the the making of the movie. Apparently like this movie was made because of the success of Dark Man. Have you ever seen Dark yeah. Man? Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, I, I like the they have like three of those, don't they? Like Dark Man, they have like three of them. I actually thought that's pretty good. It's kind of like a darker version of like a superhero movie. Yeah, yeah. I think Sam Raimi only made the first Dark Man, but uh, oh, okay. But but yeah, the Dark Man is a really good movie. Yeah, and of course you know Which, the. The film of this one was is filmed in California, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of the same people who made like the uh, the Evil Dead, at least Evil Dead Two, you know, with Nicotero and you know Tom Savini helping out um, with some of the uh, this the effects and everything. We have Kurtzman back, which I got to correct myself again. Um, Kurtzman is not Kirkman. Kirkman is the guy who made Walking Dead. Kurtzman's just some sort of fucking special effects dude. Oh, okay, so I remember you saying that, but yeah. I thought that you meant that Kurtzman did uh, special effects on Walking Dead. No, no, no. Nick Otero is the one that did the special effects on Walking Dead. 
Yeah, but you were so, you were thinking of Robert Kirkman, the creative. Yes, the creative. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, you well, got fair it. Enough. That's a that's a mistake you might make. Somebody yeah. might make. You know. Eh. Apparently, you did. Same dude. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Fuck him. All right. Exactly. So apparently, this, this movie grossed like two uh, twenty one point five million dollars total over its eleven million budget. So it definitely made some movies, and I guess it received yeah. a lot of positive reviews. But like, I don't know. Like. I, it's weird because like okay so we have evil dead one which is like dark in a way you know what i mean like real like this is like a horror movie you could tell this is a fucking horror movie like this yeah. shit is like yeah. you know it's gruesome a lot of real characters shit going like that and then we got all the army darkness is basically like i don't know like i just couldn't i just, i couldn't tell if the movie was trying to like copy jim carrey or if it was trying to copy some sort of disney movie and then they had fucking some parts of beetlejuice in that shit too yeah, no, I think that he um I think that he wanted to make he wanted to make a like a horror comedy. So he wanted I think he wanted to take the funny parts of Evil Dead 2 and like turn that up to like a million. Yeah. Cuz you know, I mean Evil Dead 2 is funny. It's 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 scary and funny. Um but like, you know, it's like like with the hand pulling him along the floor in Evil Dead 2 and like the you know, just the personality that his hand has. And then like, um, you know, like his reactions when he's like cutting his hand off and then fighting the hand through the rest of the show, the rest of the movie. Um, like, like that is funny. And it's like real, like Mark's brothers, three stoogie funny. And it's almost like he just wanted to take that and then, um, just turn that up as loud as he could turn it up. And I mean, and it's not bad. It's just not what we expected. It's not what we wanted out of this, out of something so dark from Evil Dead to turn into this. Yeah. You know so, what I mean? Like, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just not what, what we wanted, I think. Well, the thing is, I think they took like a demon like theme and they mixed it with like Monty Python in a way. Well, okay, that's a good point. Like, you know, like uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. Like, where they send him on the on the quest for the Necronomicon. Yeah. Which, that, that part makes me laugh every time I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's um, see. Um, uh, I mean, they had a... I'm mean, just kind of looking at some of the production stuff on here. Like, yeah. you know, they had plans to make this movie even when they were making, like, Evil Dead 2. You know, because obviously we had it in the book when in Evil Dead 2, it shows a picture of Ash, you know, within time frame of him being the the warrior who stopped the evil demon um, invasion happening. Um, so they all, you know, they all wanted to get him out of the cabin and they just wanted to do, like, you know, they, they eventually decided to do, like, uh, something that took place in the 13th, uh, 1300th century. Because right. they, they thought it would be a little bit more interesting, you know what I mean? Kind of, like, show, like, an army of the dead and how Ash actually stopped them and how he got to, like, control the books and then have the books kind of, like, buried and stuff like that. So, it all was, like, they try to make it, like, kind of a full circle type of thing. Um, which, which all makes sense, but 
I'm pretty sure though. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, obviously, but looking at the the um, the plot of Evil Dead Two and the plot of this movie, Evil Dead Two strikes me as Army of Darkness was supposed to be more like maybe not darker, but like an adventure story about how Ash goes back in time. So, okay. So I guess the way I explain it is like, you know how at the end of the movie, Ash comes back to the the present. Yeah. Right. And then he's telling the story about what happened to him. I don't know <laughs> that that was necessarily. Well, that was the ending that they had to come yeah. up with because they, they didn't like the original ending. Oh, that's true. Cause he gets sent to the future. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, the original ending was he gets sent to the future and what when humanity's been destroyed. Yes. Yeah. So they, that actually was a But they didn't yeah. like it. They thought it was a little bit too like dark and shit. So they had to like redo it for him to being in S Mark. <laughs> but you know S Mark's a real place. It was a real store. Is it really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um that's pretty good though. You know, like, I like the whole S Mark is pretty good. Yeah. So, like, you know, a little bit about the the scenes and stuff. Like, I like how, like, every Evil Dead, starting from 2 and on, which, you know, it's only 2, I guess, and they probably right. did an Astral Evil Dead 2, was we always have to recap the first movie, but we always change up stuff from the first movie. <laughs> I noticed that, too. So, we so, had... Yeah, they had to- <laughs> yeah, so we had fucking Ash talking about, you know, how he got to his cabin with his girlfriend, Linda, who's, like, not even the girl from the original movie or the second movie, <laughs> just some random limit, Linda. <laughs> about him her getting possessed because of some sort of like you know demon professors and shit and then eventually you know it's queer it's weird because like they they made new scenes for evil dead 2 but then they used up some evil scenes from scenes from evil dead 2 at the same time right so i thought that was funny and then you know he gets transferred over there, and then it's different than the ending of Evil Dead Two because in the, the ending of Evil Dead Two he falls down. They're all about to capture him, but then he beats the the Sky Demon. He shoots it down, and then they all worship him. But in this movie, he he gets um he gets shot, he just falls down and stuff, and they all surround him. Light number two, but instead of a demon comes out, they just put him part of uh, Eric the Red, uh, his fucking uh, group. So they make him like, yeah. <laughs> they make him like he's part of the group and stuff. Because like these two, these two like factions are going out at each other. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, because it, it like the Evil Dead Two made it look like this movie was going to be about him going on some kind of adventure in the Middle Ages, and he was like a hero. But they kind of rewrote it another way because it's funnier. Yeah, because they decided to go with this funny approach. So. um you know, so so it's funnier when they put him in the pit, right? Because yeah. that whole scene with him and the deadites in the pit is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fighting off the two people and the guy <laughs> handing him the fucking chainsaw and he fucking just jumps up and grabs it on his hand. Yeah, yeah it just launches onto his hand. Yeah, he eventually starts, and then when he, they're about to um, get him, he shoots the the Kurtzman, the fucking leader of the one of the clans. He shoots Kurtzman's fucking sword off and they're all like this is my boomstick so we're we get this is when we get the one-liners from ash yeah. a ton we get yes. the boomstick uh you know my favorite one i did was give me some sugar baby oh that's the most famous one though yeah yeah my my favorite line in this whole movie is the um i think it's in this one yeah the one where he's like uh, where he says good bad i'm the guy with the gun yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's the best one good bad i'm the guy with the yeah because like the pretty much the whole premise of the ash character in this movie 
was he wanted to go back to his time because right. he liked his job at S-Mart. At S-Mart, yeah. He was just some random dude who worked in the home goods aisle at S-Mart, <laughs> and all he wanted to do was get back and make his minimum wage. That's all he wanted to do. He had a nice life. He had a nice girlfriend that he met at S-Mart. Of course, turned into a demon. He killed her, chopped up her body, but he could find another one. And he just wanted mm-hmm. to get back to his time. And the wise guys were like, hey, <clears throat> the wise men, wise guys, the wise men were like, hey, you know, this this is what the book prophesies, a guy falling from the ceiling, for, not ceiling, but from the sky. Ceiling. Yeah, falling from the ceiling, brother. <laughs> and the ceilings were wrapped up. <laughs> They're falling from the ceiling and fucking going to be saving all of us. And then, and then they basically made a deal, the wise man and the ash, Saying like, hey, if I get this book, if I stop what's ever happening, can you guys send me back? And they're like, yeah, we'll send you back. So that's like the whole premise of the movie. And I like how he called everybody primitive. He's like, you fucking primitive people. You don't know fucking anything about, you don't know anything about fucking, you know, guns and, and, and um, uh, what is it called? Um, chemistry. You don't know anything about that. Right. Right. But that because that's part of the joke, though, right? Because he's calling everybody else primitive, but everybody in the movie is still smarter than he is. Yeah, <laughs> in a way, in general. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, he way, was yeah. the guy who who brought up that chemistry book and had him everybody make gunpowder. Well, true. That's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, of course, we have is uh, the love interest in this movie was Shelley. Yeah, or Sheila. By Sheila. Fonda. My bad, Sheila. And I liked her yeah, character. Played... <laughs> he's basically just like. I mean, they barely even did anything. They kissed once, all right? And then, like, Ash goes on his adventure. And then, eventually, when he fucks, fucks up with those books, the fucking girl just gets kidnapped and fucking just turns into a demon. And then she gets turned into a fucking... Back to normal. And I, I fucking... Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. You're talking about the girl, his girl, his love interest from the Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah, from his little yeah, ages. Yeah, Bridget Linda, Fonda the, plays yeah. his girlfriend in S-Mart, yeah. Oh, I gotcha, Yes. Yeah, that that one, you know, we're not looking for that one. But, you know, some of the stuff, you know, the highlights, <clears throat> you know, so Ash basically, he builds himself an, a hand, all right, like a yes. metal hand, uh, because he agreed to fight these, uh, the demons and go collect the book. He's the only one that can go collect the book now. And while he escaped too, he also let Eric the Red, he also let him escape too. Yeah, right. Uh, and then, then we get a whole long scenes a fucking Ash going to find this fucking book. And he has to remember some of these lines and shit. Like, <clears throat> he's like, so, yeah. What's the lines? Remember it. Remember this. I can't even tell him myself. I fucking forgot him too. So there's a story about the lines. <clears throat> um, so there's a lot of things in this movie that came from other movies, which we'll talk about as we go. But there's also things that are in this movie that I think went into other movies later on. But so since we're going to talk about the lines, so there's not a lot of plot in this movie. Um, It's only 80 minutes long, and I think it has five minutes of previews. I mean, five minutes of of credits. Um, Oh, one thing at the very beginning. I don't know if you noticed this, and I rewound it to watch this again. The movies, when it comes on, it says Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness. Mm -hmm. I've never noticed that before. Well, I never had a a bunch of different name changes. Like, they were thinking about Evil Dead 3. They were thinking about Evil Dead 3, Army of the Darkness. They're thinking about Army of the Darkness. They're thinking about maybe Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness. So they had a bunch of different titles because I guess they, they decided for Army of the Darkness to kind of like take the Evil Dead franchise in a new direction. 
Yeah, because yeah, they, they didn't want to make it a third one, I'm sure. Uh, you know, because people might not go see it because they hadn't seen the other two. But um, but yeah, so the one that comes on HBO Max says Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness at the beginning of it. But uh, I just thought that was interesting. But anyway, we're back to him going um on the on the quest to find the book. So yeah, so basically, there's not a lot of plot in this, and it takes him forever to find the book. Uh, what this movie seemed like it took forever even happen. Oh, when they, when they did the scenes feeling when they did the scenes with the little ashes i was like what kind of disney shit is this <laughs> <laughs> i was like what the hell is going I, on i didn't here? hate that it was okay it looked but bad it, but i didn't yeah. hate it and then they swallowed um, one and he fucking became a siamese twin and then he got his clone yeah and then it just yeah and then he's <laughs> he fucking shoots the clone that's when he gives <laughs> your that favorite whole scene line. like right and that whole scene was like um like the scene where the little tiny ashes were standing on his chest, it has the worst blue screen I think I've ever seen. It still literally looks blue. Yeah, like the the whole scene of Ash's face is blue, and I'm like, oh my god, they, this could not have they couldn't have spent more a little more money on this. Yeah, but you know, back in the day, um, and I was like, oh fuck, this is crazy. How are they doing this? <laughs> but by '93, they they should. I mean, Jurassic Park was about to come out for fuck's sake. Oh yeah, that's true. So, I mean, of course, there's a world difference how much you spend on Jurassic Park versus this, but yeah. still. Um, but um, yeah, the, so the, the so the 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 three words. So the three words are Klaatu, Verada, Nikto, which came from the day the Earth stood still. And you probably did. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, but there's a movie from the 50s called The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is about this alien who lands in Washington D.C. on the National Mall, and he. Um, he he's a humanoid alien and he has this giant robot named Gort <coughs> excuse me allergies named Gort who is there to protect him and Gort spends the entire movie stand, for the most part standing in the doorway of the spaceship and then um, so he's supposed to be there on a peaceful mission from his planet but of course the humans like take him captive and shoot him and that kind of thing um, but he tells one of the characters that um, he needs to that she that if she if he gets captured or something happens to him, she should go back to the robot and to Gort and say the words Klaatu, Verada, Nikto. And they never explain what those words mean, but that's like a symbol, like a sign for the robot to do something, which ends up breaking him out of prison or whatever. Um, but um, so that's where those came from. But that whole scene is really funny when he's like, He's like, say the three words. <laughs> and he's like, Klaatu, Verada, Nikto. And he's like, okay, I got it. And he's like, say it. And he's like, and then he repeats it. He's like, and he's like, say it again. And he's like, I got it. He's like, I remember your damn words. Yeah. And then, and then we start off on this whole mission. Yeah. And then we, and then he fucking gets to the books. There's like three of them. He's like, well, nobody told me there's fucking three of the books. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes and one of them sucks him in. And one of them grabs his hand. And then he basically gets the last one. He couldn't remember the words, so he mumbled it. Right, <laughs> and he mumbled it. Yeah. And then of course then, that's when uh, the, yeah. the demons open up. Now they're all they're up in the least. And then he goes back to the castle, and they're like, "Oh, did you say the words?" It's like, "Yeah, you know, I said most of them." Kind of. Yeah, I said most of them. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then like this is when the demons start attacking and shit, and then they start fighting, and then eventually, um, one of the flying demons takes Sheila away. And then this is when, you know, Ash is like, listen, like, you guys promised me you would take me back if I got the book. I got the book. Can, can you take me back? And the wise guy's like, yeah, we could take you back. But what about us? He's like, sorry, guys, I got the book. She's like, yeah. And then they're just like, you know, okay, we'll honor your deal. But, you know, 
you're not the warrior, the savior we thought you were. So they're kind of giving him some shit. Right. And then eventually, you know, Ash comes around a little bit because of, uh, you know, the, them taking uh, not Sheila. And then he basically now rallies to everybody to fight against the dead. And this is when they make the gunpowder. Right. He finally becomes a hero. Yeah. And I thought the creepy scene is when we see the Ash, Demon Ash, which is the one he shot his face off. Then he eventually decapitated him and fucking burned him and buried him. He came mm-hmm. up to be a demon now. He's back. He's like the demon leader. And he takes the, the Sheila and eventually, like, you know, kind of like forces himself to make out with her and stuff. Then we see a bunch of slave women. So I actually thought yeah. that scene was a little creepy. You know, that was probably like yeah, the only creepy. Bit, yeah. If you think about it, it's a little, a little creepy. They, they take all of them and stuff. And then eventually we have a demon Sheila, which I thought her, their demon Sheila was like the weakest women demon in the whole franchise. That's for sure. Oh yeah, they didn't put much on much time on that for sure. Yeah, they just put a little bit a little bit of latex on her face and like and covered it up, and that's about it. So there's one scene where like the, the all the dead are about to be marching, and you know, you know Ash's plan is basically like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna beat him with gunpowder and just like you know destroy him. And they're like, well, we don't have enough men here. And he's like, oh, just call Eric the Red; he'll come and help us and stuff, um, mm-hmm. because I like, saved his life and everything. And then there's this one scene where, like, they're, they're preparing everything. We see the castle. We see the demons. And I was just thinking, like, fuck. Like, this is, like, the Battle of Winterfell before Game of Thrones even aired. It was, like, the, um, you know, it was, like, the, the, the Starks and all the, the, the different um, clans versus the, uh, <clears throat> the night creatures, you know? Yeah, well, right. And like they're all like fighting each other, and then, and this one's like the Disney fucking version of that, where the army of darkness, so the fucking Ash and his crew fighting the fucking evil dead army of darkness people. I was like, well, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure. I mean, I, this movie is highly <clears throat> influential on a lot of people. Yeah. Um. And I'm you know even then like I didn't notice this. I I hadn't. I probably had not seen this movie since the Lord of the Rings movies came out. So it's been that long. You know, it's been more than twenty years since I've seen this probably, but. The um, so that scene where he's standing around and then the guys are like, "You have my bow and you have my sword and that kind of thing." Mm-hmm. That's a scene that's in Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. This and I'm wondering if Peter lot. Jackson got that from Army of Darkness, if that's like <clears throat> a tribute to Army of Darkness, because there's a scene exactly like that in Return of the King. Oh, really? Wow. Or maybe it's in Fellowship of the Ring, but anyway, I can't remember. It's one of them where they're like, they're all like, um. Um, where Legolas says you have my bow, and and um, uh, Gimli says you've got my axe, and then they all, they all, I think it's at, at the, when they gather at the Fellowship and Fellowship of the Ring, actually. Um, so there's a scene exactly like that in, in Lord of the Rings, and I'm, I'm surely, I mean, you know, that's a pretty common thing, I guess, for fantasy fiction. But I'm wondering if that's like a if that's like a tribute to Sam Raimi, maybe, because um, they would have come up at around the same time, because. Um, uh, Peter Jackson is kind of like the Austra- or the New Zealand Sam Raimi in a way. You know, he started off making these really low budget, sometimes funny, but like really gory horror films. Yeah. And then he then he won an Academy Award 30 or 40 years later. But there you go. Um, but yeah, he his and then Sam Raimi became like a well respected director after making the, these, you know, low budget horror films. I mean, he's making the new Doctor Strange for God's sakes. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, if you went back to 1981 and to talk to Sam Raimi while he was making evil dead in the backwoods of Tennessee in February, you know, and, and say, Hey, you know, you're going to, you're going to direct two Spider-Man movies. You're going to direct three Spider-Man movies 
and a Doctor Strange movie, he would have probably like laughed. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <clears throat> like what? <laughs> um. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I loved have, all ahead. the stop motion though. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say I loved all the stop motion. Um, like all the skeletons. Yeah. Which came from that movie Jason and the Argonauts, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, which has the uh, Ray Harryhausen uh, stop motion skeleton fights, sword fights with the uh, with the heroes, and um, they did it exactly the same way as he did it in the fifties for this movie. And I just think that stuff looks amazing. Like it's just so cool. I mean, it's yeah, it looks better than CG to me. I mean, I love <clears throat> stop motion animation. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think it looks pretty cool too, especially if it's done right and stuff. And Evil Dead has always been known to do a really good job with that. Mm-hmm, for sure. So after we have the, the fighting's beginning, we have Demon Ash, who looks like the guy from Guar. We have Ash yes. over there with his boomstick and his chainsaw doing his thing. We eventually get Sheila over there, and she's like in and out of demons, kind of like getting Ash, and eventually Ash breaks her off. And the whole, the basically the finish is after we have um, Red, Redbeard show up and help the the Ash and his crew fight off the demons. Um, we basically because the whole the whole thing that they're doing is they're trying to keep the book, the Necronomicon book, away from the demon Ash for him to do it. But they eventually beat him up, and we eventually have like a a, a battle between Ash and Demon Ash. Where Ash gets the upper hand, stabs him a couple, a bunch of times, and then um, he eventually burns his ass. He fucking burns him, and then the the skeleton one even comes back. So he keeps coming back. Like he's one of those ones where we, we thought he's gonna be destroyed, but he keeps on coming back. Mm-hmm. And eventually, Ash deals the the fatal blow and like fucking um, gets him on like a uh, uh, his, his like fucking ash. He, basically, they take that, uh, that 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 mobile that's in all the uh, Sam Raimi movies, and they yeah. he, he, he fucking makes it a medieval like death machine, something out of like fucking <laughs> Mad Max. He fucking With takes like a that, helicopter blade on the top or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, and he eventually shoots him up in the air and blows him up and shit. Which supposedly, though, like if you dismember their bodies, they're supposed to die. But that doesn't happen with Demon Ash, though. Well, well, the thing is, though, this movie doesn't really take that trope because we've seen a bunch of stuff. That people just stabbing them or chopping off their heads, and then they're gone. So we—that's true. We kind of like lost over the over movies that you actually had to like de- like fucking chop up the whole body to stop these demons. So, right. so it just like we kind of progress like regressed, I guess, and that um that sense yeah one thing that i thought was really funny too is right before this final battle starts it's just another funny line from him with that that's just an asshole line that makes no sense but he's like when he's staying on top of the castle and he's like he's like yeah he's like and maybe they can protect the book maybe they can stop all of these these you know dead demons then he pauses for a second and then he says yeah and i'm a chinese jet pilot yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he definitely had a bunch of one-liners here. And, you know, like, was Beetlejuice made before this movie or after? No, it was made before, I'm pretty sure. I think Beetlejuice was 1986. It was definitely before this. So, okay, because they fucking, uh, they look like they copied a shit ton of stuff from Beetlejuice. Well, like what? I was going to ask you that. What do you what do you think they copied from Beetlejuice? Well, just the, okay, so, you know, there's one part where Ash, like, Ash was stretching out his face or his face got stretched out. That looked like an exact oh, scene. Oh, yeah, okay. And then we have like the uh, the main hero, the main 
the main character, the main person, is uh, very sarcastic throughout the whole movie. And he's getting himself into, like, different, like, scenarios where he's being very sarcastic. You know, same thing with Beetlejuice. He was the same way. You know, he's like the... He made goofy statements about everything. And then... Well, that's true. And, I see that. So, I and then, like, a lot of the, the actual effects, you know, when we saw, like, different demons and stuff, like stop motion, you know, Beetle, you know, Beetlejuice did that well as, as well, too. So, mm-hmm. but the biggest Absolutely. thing I noticed was like when they're stretching out their faces and stuff, and when they, they when they kind of like did like different, you know, when the little guys were attacking them and stuff, just the way they filmed that and the 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 actual structure of it was very similar to like different Beetlejuice scenes. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. I mean, I think that you know the 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 use of stop motion is real similar, and stop motion makes two can make two things look pretty similar. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it probably was an influence. I mean, Tim Burton was a huge, um, what's the word? Like he was like a really famous director around this time because of this. That's, that's how he ended up being able to make Batman in 1989. Yeah. So Tim Burton was like a f- very famous director who used to work for Disney. And then this, you know, he, he's like one of those, he was like one of the, those people that like, there's a term for it, but I, I can't think what it is off the top of my head, but like, he there's one of those people who ends up being successful doing things their way, even though nobody told them, even though everybody told them that they would fail if they didn't follow the rules. Tim Burton's one of those people and kind of Sam Raimi's one of those people too. So I could see how that could be like a, you know, an influence for sure. Yep. And then after they defeated the main demon, Ash, apparently once you defeat him, all the demons just go away. So they all fouled, they all gone away, and then we have Sheila turning back to her normal self. So she's the yep, only. We're out of time. <laughs> yeah, we're out of time. So I mean, so like pretty much that's like the only demon who turned. She's the only girl who turned into a demon that 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 turned back into her normal self. So, and then this is when uh, you know Ash says his goodbyes and everything, and then he goes back to the um, the regular time, and he's telling this this he's telling Sam and his brother. Uh, all about like his adventure and how he was a king or he could have stayed there and he could have been the king of that place. Yep. And then we have another demon attack right here in the real world now of the century and Ash takes him over by uh, grabbing a shotgun from the Esmile art, <laughs> the the section. Well, before that, before that, he mm-hmm. says, uh, Sam Raimi's brother says, did you say the words right Yeah. this time? Yeah. And he said, nice. So I said most of the syllables, and then that's when the demons attack. Yeah. They realize he's brought the demons back yes. into our world. And then he, he ends up, he gets a rifle this time, not a shotgun. Yeah. And then he kind of like, he has, a, he has a 30 30 rifle. And they're like, and the demon's like, who are you? I was like, I'm Ash. I'm uh, over here at Home Goods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he eventually fucking kills this guy, and then he kisses the girl. And that's, that's when, Army the, of Darkness. Yeah, doesn't he say like he's like it's a it's the demon's a woman? He's like he's like lady, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave the store. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good one. It's like hey, I'm, asking, I'm, I'm yeah. gonna have to ask you to leave the store, lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, this movie had some good like you know one liners from Ash. It had some good comedy and stuff in it. But you know when it comes to like horror, I mean, I could skip it to be honest with you. I was like, eh, I could do with the first two. This one, like, I don't know, I could just skip it. I mean, I could skip it. I mean, we're both laughing as we talk about watching it. So we did enjoy it, but it's not nearly as good as the other two. And definitely not as good as the first one. 
but you know, I can see why it has a following and everything. You know, Ash is he's pretty much like the uh, the main character. You know, obviously he's like the main reason for the whole movie and stuff. So we're we're establishing getting over this Ash character, and it's pretty interesting where you know we didn't have like an Evil Dead Four or nothing like that. We just got the TV show. I think they did it on Stars yeah. of the Ash versus Evil Dead, and then we had the remake. Um, and then of course we're doing another um, another um, Evil Dead uh, movie coming out soon which is supposedly supposed to like um combine both universes together so we'll see how that goes you know yeah but it's just called evil dead right i think yeah i'm not sure what the title is right now um the remake was just called evil dead the the second one i'm not sure if it's gonna have evil dead 2 or evil dead some sort of title uh but i you know the, the the thing i heard though they're they're trying to add ash into that movie so we'll see if it happens or not yeah, well, it's supposed to come out this year, so yep. I think it comes out on HBO Max near the end of the year. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I always hate like when they do that. Like, like they did it with the thing that it was Scream, that it with Halloween, that it with Evil Dead. So they have these movies that are like sequels, but they give it the same name as the original one. Yeah. Like, why can't like? I mean, I understand that you that people are stupid. And that, you know, if Scream 5 comes out, they may not go see it because they haven't seen Scream 1, 2, 3, and 4. But, I mean, I didn't watch Scream 5, but I'm guessing that it would have been kind of hard to follow Scream 5 if you didn't see the rest of them. So, I don't know that it matters if we call it Scream or not. And then, like, you know, 100 years from now, when people are watching The Thing, it's going to be super confusing which order to watch those in because they're both called The Thing. And one is a prequel to the other one, kind of, but it's also kind of a remake. Like they changed midstream on that one. Like it was supposed to be a remake, but then they made it a prequel. Yeah. Which you can tell because one of the characters in it looks exactly like um, um, Kurt Russell's character looked in the second (laughs) movie. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I think the alternate ending of this would have been better than the ending they have, though. Yeah, I would definitely say that too. Like, yeah, I because he was like, obviously, you would. I, I was about to say, did you watch it? Yeah, I seen the I seen the alternate ending. Yeah, where he was supposed to drink the potion, he was supposed to drink like four drops or whatever, or three yeah. drops, and he drinks one too many, and he sleeps for another hundred years. Yeah, <laughs> and he wakes up with a big giant beard and everything, some sort of ap- yeah. apocalyptic land. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that would have been better, but I understand why they brought it back because it was too dark, and then it doesn't give you all these um, like it forwards the story of how Ash's life is always fucked up. Yeah, but you know, it gets it, and he always fucks stuff up no matter what. But he, but but it gets, but getting him back to our time gets him able to fight demons back in the regular world again. I guess. Yep. But yeah, there we go, man. There is the lights out. Yep. Everybody, that was our second ever Lights Out match. Boy, what a doozy it was. Whole lot of music, whole lot of wrestling, whole lot of ash. Pounding on some demon's ass. So, Lights Out, everybody. Fun stuff over here. Is there anything you want to end with the finish of Lights Out, Matt? Do you want, do you want to hit uh-huh. me with anything else before you do the final blow? What do you want to do? No, I don't really have anything to hit you with. I just thought we'd go out talking about uh, what we're going to do on the next regular episode, maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll do some promotion. So next month, we on the Retro Blood, the flagship show, Retro Blood. Yeah. We are doing old school horror movie monsters, a.k.a. Universal Monsters, 
like Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, um, the werewolf. But we're doing it all based in the 80s. So all 80s movies based on these characters and how they're betrayed, how they betrayed the characters in the 80s as well too. And the first stop, we're doing one of my favorite movies of all time. We're talking all about vampires. We're talking all about rock and roll. We're talking about motorcycles and cool earrings and fucking mullets. We're talking about the Lost Boys, brother. That should be fantastic. Yeah, this movie's nearly perfect. Yes. We're talking about young Corey Feldman doing his comic book monster demon hunting. Should be a great time, everybody. So look forward to that. Um, Probably this Sunday. That's when that will be able to drop. Um, right down here on Retro Blood. But everybody, Lights Out is always a fun episode. You know, we go to a little bit more sidetracking than we do on our normal episodes. But this one, like I said, mm. we're uncensored, man. We just talk about shit. We just talk about, you know, whatever we need to talk about. You know, we just have a good time on here. So thanks for, yep. for joining us. Uh, what should we leave the audience out here out uh, from Viking Santa? What should we leave everybody with to, to listen to on this Lights Out number two episode? Well, since it's a lights out episode and there's no fucking rules that we're following, we should end with Ice Cubes. It was a good day. Ooh, it was a good day from our boy Ice Cube. All right, everybody. Check us out. Uh, Retro Blood group page. Check us out on Stitcher, uh, uh, Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can get your podcasts. Check us all out. This is Lights Out. This is the companion piece to our main show, The Retro Blood. So check out Retro Blood every Sunday. Check out the lights out when we drop it on you. Like it's hot. We drop that shit out of nowhere. And uh, everybody check out Ice Cube. And for the Viking Santa, for James Klein. You know, if you go back in time, just make sure you get some little action. Make sure you fucking uh, 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 destroy some demons. And then make sure you get back to your time to talk to all your co-workers about how great you were uh, in, in 13, the 1300th century. So, later guys. See ya. If I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop Had to stop at a red light Looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight And everything is alright I got a beat from Kim And she could do it all night Called up the homies and I'm asking y'all Which part are y'all playing basketball? Get me on the court and I'm troubled Last week, messed around and got a triple-double Freaking brothers every way like MJ I can't believe today was a good day To the pad and hit the showers Didn't even get no static from the cowards Cause just yesterday them booze tried to blast me Saw the police and they rolled right past me No flexing, didn't even look in a brother's direction As I ran the intersection Went to show dog's house They was watching your MTV raps What's the haps on the craps? Shake them up, shake them up, shake them up, shake them Roll them in a circle of homies and watch me break them with a 7 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven, 7 even back door, little jump I picked up the cash flow, then we played bones And I'm yelling domino, plus nobody I know got killed in South Central LA Today was a good day Left my homie 
always house pay. Picked up a girl, been trying to dig since the 12th grade. It's ironic, I had the boo, she had the chronic. The Lakers beat the super signs. Felt on the big fat fanny, pulled out the jammy and killed the poo nanny. And my Jimmy runs deep, so deep, so deep, put her butt to sleep. Woke her up around one, she didn't hesitate to call Ice Cube the top gun. Drove her to the pad and I'm coasting. Took another sip of the potion, hit the three wheel motion. I was glad everything had worked out. Dropped the burnt off and then chirped out. Today was like one of those fine dreams. Didn't even see a berry flashing those high beams. No helicopter looking for the murder. Two in the morning, got the fat burger. Even saw the lights of the Goodyear blimp. And it read ice cubes a pinch. Drunk as hell, but no throwing up. Halfway home, and my page is still blowing up. Today I didn't even have to use my 8K. I gotta say it was a good day. Stop this, man. I don't know what I'm thinking about.